0: You are in for a treat today on the Therapy Dogs Australia podcast, because we had the opportunity to chat with the fantastic Dr. Jane Remington Gurney, a certified and practicing speech language pathologist based in Queensland, who also happens to work alongside Charlotte, her wonderful therapy dog. In this episode, Jane discusses the benefits of having a therapy dog in her practice, the ways in which Charlotte contributes alongside Jane's communication programs, as well as the fascinating ways in which dogs can teach us to communicate with each other more effectively. A little heads up for those listening to the podcast rather than watching it, there are references to slides during our chat with Jane, so you can watch this episode on YouTube if you'd like to see what Jane is referring to. We hope you enjoy this incredibly enlightening podcast. Okay, well, welcome to another episode of Therapy Dogs Australia podcast. Today, we are very lucky. We've got a very special guest with us today, Jane uh, and Sam as well. Welcome both of you. Thank you. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Um, So, Jane, how about we start? I'll start sharing my screen and we can start with an intro that way
1: okay um i'm going to go through some slides but i promise it's not going to be death by powerpoint so i'm going to start and stop and if there are any questions just let me know Um, essentially i have only recently started to have a clinical therapy dog as a tool if you like Um, it's actually referred to in the literature sometimes as the glue that sticks a session together and i think that can be very true when it comes to speech therapy in particular But I need to say that although I'm a speech therapist, I didn't always want to be a speech therapist. I actually wanted to work with animals. And I did everything in my power to work with animals. And that was all the work experience, the kennel cleaning, everything I could get. So when I had to go and see the careers officer at high school, I didn't really want to see her. I knew exactly what I was going to do. But she turned around and said, you can't do that. That's man's work. Go and have a look and see what speech <laughs> therapy is about. Wow. So oh I'm goodness. afraid I'm from that generation where I also was not allowed to study Latin, which I needed for vet work because it was only offered at the boys' high school up the hill. Oh, and I was no. the only girl at the girls' high school who wanted to go. And you can't trust those boys, etc., with one girl going up the hill for Latin lessons. <laughs> so i went to see what speech therapy was about and here i am except i went to work in canada first and in canada i was exposed to a lot of um, severe communication impairment as it was known then so these are people who have little or no functional speech and i actually seem to find my niche there and that could be because i was also very um very well-trained I suppose in dance and dance teaches you to observe Mm. so I was observing a lot through that aspect of my life and I was learning how to help people with communication disabilities in another and the two merged the bit that was missing was the dog so the dog became just companionship and something that I enjoyed doing dog obedience with And my speech therapy seemed to take off into increasingly working with people with challenging behaviours, people who had severe physical disabilities um, and people who were um, able to understand but not able to express themselves at all well. When I arrived in Australia, I worked for the Cerebral Palsy League and headed up the department there. And then I went overseas and did some speech therapy in the Solomon Islands and came back Western Australia, Melbourne, Brisbane, and found myself working uh, as an advisor for the Department of Communities, where a lot of my role uh, focused on training, training communication partners to be better at what they did, assisting people who had complex communication needs. Unfortunately, the department got reorganized and a lot of us in senior positions went into private practice. And I personally didn't think anyone would want to go private, but along came the NDIS and private therapy became much more affordable for people. So I offered a therapy service to people face-to-face. I also did rural and remote visits And then increasingly, I started to do online consultations. And I suppose that's the time when Zoom really took off with the COVID pandemic. And a lot of my work now is Zoom related. But I still see people with a wide range of disabilities and a wide range of age groups who all have complex communication needs and who need a communication partner to assist them make their voice be heard. Now, one of the things I have done in recent years is to design an online training package of five courses to help people become better communication partners. And within that, I have found that there are a number of things that can accelerate progress and be really great tools for therapists. One of those is music and I work very closely with neurologic music therapists and also the dog in therapy. So if I try to encapsulate what my role as a speech therapist is when I'm working with people who've got complex communication needs, I really have to have an understanding of the diagnosis because you can't put a square peg in a round hole. Everyone is different. Yes, People with cerebral palsy have different needs to people with autism who have different needs to people with acquired brain injury and so on and so on. But one of the things that is most important to all of that is the ability for the therapist to be able to make herself or himself understood and to offer opportunities for the person with communication impairment to use methods other than speech. So in my work, I would use keyword signing, which is where I only sign the keyword in a sentence. And I may also use a whole range of low-tech communication displays and low-tech um, communication equipment, as well as high-tech. That's um, communication equipment that can pick up the tiniest movement that the person may make, and that's sufficient to open um, opportunities to communicate with
0: technology. Sorry, can we just, so the low tech and high tech, what are some examples of each? Actually, we're getting into that. So why don't I just explain that now? Okay. Okay. So this
1: probably is a good slide to explain what my role as a speech pathologist is. I'm looking at the communication partners, which I mentioned, who might be someone who is assisting the person with communication impairment. And I'm looking at how something else is used within conversation. It might be signing, or in this case, it's looking at a communication device. So how does the interaction go between the communication device, the communication partner, and the communication user? And I guess more recently now, I've discovered that that trio can be how does everyone react with the therapy dog, the communication partner and the therapist. Right. So it, it's, it's something that is expanding in my um, my understanding. So it sounds like you're using the There's same
2: the model but you're, you're swapping yes. out the communication device for the therapy dog
1: yes and, in
2: my and is that, um, sorry jane is that common when you say a communication partner is that common for someone to be in speech therapy with someone else like a support person or
1: is that someone from their family usually very very, very and has, the sad thing is that often it's not the family unless it's for a younger child mm. it might be a support worker and then we get such a turnover of staff these days oh yeah. of course that it's very hard to get Um, the client making good progress if every time someone is learning how to do that and then they leave and we have to start again
0: so that's
1: one of the frustrations and the challenges of my job Um, but in the course five of my training package there was a conversation style that I identified in my PhD research and I called that you me and something else and when I did the research, I was thinking that the you, me and something else was the, the, communication device. But now I'm seeing that model with the therapy dog and the therapy dog is the something, something else. else. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. It's, it is cool. It's also really interesting because the other thing I haven't mentioned that I am trained in is in discourse analysis and notation so again for the my masters and my phd was about transcribing everything in an interaction now that's the body language here comes my dance background because we can transcribe dances so that they are repeated over generations in the same way because we've got a way of notating all the movements wow. okay. um, transcribing the interaction so that we can actually see what everyone is doing within an environment and what everyone does in one environment might be totally different to what they do in another environment
0: Hmm. why
1: all right that's what we need to be asking for example this young boy you might think he's got a headache that he's crying all right and what he's been asked to do Is just show me your sign for worried Mm. so this is worried oh okay
0: and Mm. something like
1: that will come up again in a, a future slide where we get surprises all right now he can't speak so he's communicated that by pointing to icons on a communication display we can't assume that because the person can't communicate that they don't understand yeah, right. As you can see for self-harming, the frustration of not being able to speak and people thinking that he has nothing to say is sometimes very overwhelming.
2: Oh, I like literally have to speak all day long. So I don't know how people would be yeah, if I lost my speech I would be totally lost. It
0: would well be incredibly frustrating.
1: I think it was the World Health Organization that said the act of not being able to communicate or being
0: incommunicado is the worst form of human torture. Yeah, far out. Having something to say and not being able to express it, yeah. I can understand that. Mm. Mm. So what I'd like to cover
1: this evening or whenever you're watching this, listening to this podcast, is just four of the main areas that I work as a speech pathologist And how I've incorporated my dogs into that. Okay. So if we have a look at the next slide, what I do with parents and support workers, friends, whoever is assisting the person in the clinic, is I want to help them share with me and develop the vocabulary that the person has. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I want to develop awareness and use of eye contact and that extends to people talking with the person, with eye contact, rather than around them,
0: All right. Okay. You may have seen yeah. that. You may have witnessed that. Okay.
1: To foster turn-taking, because very often people with complex communication needs, it becomes more of an interrogation style instead of a conversation style. It's mm. question-answer, question-answer, question-answer and with that often comes huge topic shifts so it might be you oh, know, do you want something for dinner tonight okay what are you going to watch on television it was so and so on shift and the poor person has gone across three different topics in one conversation and in fact it isn't a conversation at all it's an interrogation so i like to try and foster turn-taking for conversation but also socialization so like playing games And finally, to assist and support self-regulation, especially where much of the weakness in self-regulation is actually in the hands for success of the communication partners, Mm -hmm. not the person with the complex communication needs.
2: What a bizarre uh, dynamic, really. Like what a bizarre therapy dynamic. That's so interesting to me that it can be so caught up in yeah like and like you say support workers who you know have Mm. I'm sure some invested interests but probably not enough really how how full-on to have your life and therapy goals and outcomes in someone else's hands
1: like that it's also interesting when you look at the and something else and it's a communication device if you're working with someone who's got a complex communication need and they're male and the device has been programmed or not programmed for a male voice. Oh Yeah, the person is speaking with a female voice because maybe it came like that in the package and no one's had the time to read the instructions and find out how to reprogram it for an age and gender appropriate
0: Mm. voice. Of course, yeah, age as well as gender.
2: That's just something, well, yeah, that I would never, I've never th- even considered or thought
1: about before, but far out, that would just be so meaningful. Well, one of the things that I find really meaningful because a lot of the time I've worked with people who say, I don't think there's anything you can do for Johnny. I, and anyway, I know everything he wants to say, right? So in the next slide, you'll see what I actually do and what is proving really successful when it comes to having a therapy dog in my work, all right? So in this top table, this is called a communication dictionary. And what we do is we get the carer to write down what each word or signal is, how it is said, what it means, And what you can do as a communication partner to respond. Now, usually when I start to do this, people would say to me, well, there's not really much. There's probably only, you know, four or five things that I know the body language means or, you know, so-and-so wants to communicate. And then we start and we will easily find three, four, five times, ten times more sometimes, signals that the person has. Now, a signal is... If you like defined as a unit of meaning so the person does something like turn their head very subtly to the left you might miss it unless you know what you're looking for what does it mean yes
0: how empowering is that? wow yes Amazing. and that's a very important word in communication as well yes yes okay so we developed that communication dictionary for someone with communication
1: impairment. And then in one of my dog training, um, lessons, there was something that looked like a communication dictionary. And it really, it was just a list of the words, you know, what Mm -hmm. did your dog understand? Tick them off. Okay. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this and I can maybe show the families, the support workers, other therapists, what I have done as a vocabulary for my dog so when bonnie offers her left paw it's not high five it's not you know hey here's here's my paw okay she does a little skip movement okay and it's only her left paw my husband now says no it wasn't the left paw she doesn't want help (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> initially I thought it was help me because she used it when there was a ball under the um oh under the oh yeah, the the outside. Table. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. and I yeah. couldn't see it and she would, she would do this little one so I reinforced it yeah and now she uses it for help me I want all right so I'm just putting that in that's my interpretation yeah so if I was to put her in a context like respite someone else looks after her I want that communication partner for her to know what her vocabulary is yeah and a lot of this work has come from Christine Hunger's work on teaching Stella how to talk
2: so cool brilliant
1: amazing written by a speech pathologist who works in the same area as me
2: cool i i i've always wanted to read her There's, book because it's so amazing the stuff that she does but i haven't gotten around to it but i also am like i don't it know it is a I...
1: brilliant book a brilliant book yeah <laughs> she, and it looks it's amazing. really helped me see see the augmentative and alternative communication side much clearer so i've got things there like the yawning but i have said that For Bonnie, the yawning can be a tired, not a tired yawn, it can be a stress, but also that she's picking up on my stress. So in what you do, check me, check myself, and check the stress of the dog and remove or modify for either of us or both of us. Um, But the last one is a real must, okay? When she does beautiful eye gaze to the toilet roll, the shelf where they're kept, and you... It means I want an empty toilet roll. Oh you do gosh. not give it to her. Okay? <laughs> now, Sheena has a vocabulary of 43 words now. Aww. Oh, 43 wow. units of meaning. That's All right? so cool. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Mm, so I cool. Think that's awesome. It's amazing. And it might inspire people. If my dog has 43, I'm sure your, your oh, person absolutely. has more exactly. than two.
2: That's so cool. That's so cool.
1: Um, On the next slide, um, when I wrote this, I didn't have an example to give with this. I was just going to show you that there is a YouTube link so that you can look at dog language signals. But I was in a Zoom session last week with a young teenager in another state. And she had come to the session like this with this deep furrowed brow. And I said, you look as though maybe you've got a headache or you're unwell. Um, And dog walks by. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this would be useful. I've just found a whole list of doggy behaviors. And I wonder how your dog might be feeling. And I was about to say something else. And she said, anxious. So out of all of that, she had chosen anxious so I said are you anxious or something else and those of us who work in this field often know that the person will echo the last thing you say mm. but she said anxious mm. so I said are you anxious about the session with Jane or something else the session with Jane well wow. do you want to stop or do you think the work might be a bit tricky and instead of going to that first one, now she's gone to the last one. So I'm getting a mixture. Yeah. Um, and in the end, it just came down to reassuring her that the session was not going to be tricky. But if she found anything tricky, then we would just stop or wait or relax and I would help her through it. And we had a really good session.
2: So cool. Um,
1: so sometimes if people enjoy a dog's companionship so much, just like she does then you can draw on even images of dogs not having to have the dog there.
2: And do you think, mm, Jane, because I think I see a fair bit of this where, you know, even just having like if, if everyone's looking at their screen, but even just having the images up like what um, Lily Chin has done here with her little Boston Terrier, even just to validate and normalise like, you know, dogs – feel the feelings too like I find that even just that bit of externalizing of you know and it just it just normalizes and validates so much and you know I find especially young people they're so much more willing and likely to discuss emotions and things like that once we've already I always do the dog stuff first like I always talk about the dog's Mm. emotional state or whatever it is that we're Mm. learning their social skills or whatever it is first and I just find they're so much more likely to then discuss things for themselves and sometimes I might like you know just, just think I'm having a conversation with a young person and um that we're just gonna like be able to talk about a topic and then we'll get blocked and get stuck like they'll get blocked and then I'll go like oh that's right I'm supposed to like talk about the dog first <laughs> and then I'll go back and like, <laughs> actually, you know what? Like Nala, um, I think she, like because Nala talks a lot. She's one of those talkative dogs. Um, she is just, she's just constantly moaning and groaning at me about the mildest inconveniences of her life, but it's so um, <laughs> cute. <laughs> she just groans at me all the time. It's very cute, but it's also, um, yeah it's like a modeling thing as well. We talk about like she's expressing herself and her feelings and things like that. And I always try and validate her feelings. And, you know, I, even just like when I, even yeah. those times when I've forgotten to discuss the dog first, I can still go back and talk about the dog. And then we, that it just removes that blockage. I'd say like 99% of the time.
0: It obviously like, I mean, for me, maybe not say obviously, but for me, I think it also brings a lot of clarity as well. And you can point, And there's some very clear differences and feelings. Like if if you're feeling distressed and you're not sure what it is, sometimes like being able to put the word to it is halfway there to to working through it. If you're like, okay, what am I feeling? I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm feeling stressed. Oh, no, I'm feeling anxious. Then from being able to identify what that is, it makes it so much Um, easier to move forward from, from that point. And I think it's interesting to have a
1: look at how a therapy dog is known, because some of the things is what as what we're talking about. You know, they're like a stepping stone in a session, mm. an accelerator, a catalyst, the the glue that holds the session together. And the one that I like most is probably the buffer. Oh
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, my dog's yes. buffer me so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. They buy me a lot of graces. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I've said in the article that goes with this, you know, it, it, it shouldn't really have come of any surprise that two Christmases ago it was Charlotte that got the Christmas cards. Dear Charlotte, oh, thank yes. you for helping Every me year. talk. Oh oh, yes. <laughs>
2: Every year, yes, absolutely. The do- they bring in Christmas presents for the dogs and stuff. It's very lovely. Yes. Yeah, it's
0: beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm, Yeah.
1: Well, having a look at dogs and images then, if we have a look at the next slide, you'll just see what I did with my first therapy dog, Charlotte, and that was to make up a communication board with the dog-centred language so that the child, it was many children I was working with then, so that the child could actually see her vocabulary And have a go at reproducing it either with signing or just by pointing. Okay, so where's she gone? She's gone behind. Oh, yeah, you're right. She's gone behind the chair. What should we tell her to do? Maybe we tell her to come. Okay. Hmm. So this was a way of, you know, making sign language and using a communication display functional and fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the same time, teaching the family or whoever the communication partners were. It also helps to use feedback when you're having a conversation. So on the bottom row, you've got all the awesome, great, terrific, wonderful. It doesn't matter. So if we do this as awesome, I don't want anyone saying, oh, I wonder what fantastic is. I wonder what wonderful is. It's the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Terrible okay so this is bad two of them terrible okay but it's also dreadful horrible awful okay all right yeah so we don't have to learn
0: a whole lot of science we're
1: only talking about concepts Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. keeping it clear and simple yeah clear
1: simple and in a language that the dog knows as well as we know so There are words that I have to choose very carefully um, because either for auditory issues that the person may have or for literality of meaning, all right? Mm. So these are all fairly clear. When you say
0: auditory Mm. issues, what do you mean by that,
1: Jane? Um, Well, in a couple of slides' time, you'll see Charlotte. Oh, no, it's the next slide. Yeah, okay, let's go to the next slide.
2: Just while we're swapping slides, I'm just going to mention that I cannot believe that I've never put two and two together before, that we are using sign language when we talk to our dogs with our hand signals.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've neither. have never, ever. It not occurred that to that me.
2: Before. It has not occurred so to me strange. at all that we, because we always use hand signals. with. The, I use hand, I've got so many hand signals, my dogs, yeah. and even my facial expressions, like my dogs have yeah. no facial expressions as well, but I'm like have never put it together before. So this is really interesting.
1: I think one of the things I would really like to do is have a go at working with a deaf dog.
2: Oh yeah, we've trained Just because dogs. I've had
1: to look at the deaf signing mm-hmm. for dogs. There is a deaf sign language for dogs and just see how that compares.
2: We should put you in touch with that team. I know
1: nothing more about it, I can't <laughs> say anything,
0: Yeah, no, yeah, that would be so interesting. We have
2: a deaf dog and a therapy dog team. His name's Murphy. And he's um oh he's a white dog, like a bitar, I'm pretty sure we should um track him down and yeah, we should have mm. a conversation about yeah that, that would be because really I was a little bit concerned about when they first came along because I was like, how do we make this safe? But we have come up with different ways to make sure that Murphy's safe and um the pe- people that Murphy's around are kept safe as well, and they've actually just done their reassessment as well um and they're still going great, so yeah. Anyway,
1: that's great to hear. <laughs> okay, well, um in that first photograph, Charlotte had learnt to touch t- according to the name of familiar toys. And when I was doing some auditory discrimination work, so point to the cat, point to the rat, point to the frog, point to the log, okay? Gets really boring, okay? So we just had Charlotte do some so I would hold up two objects, which are the wonderful Ikea. I don't know what we do with our Ikea toys. Oh. Quite durable. Her cat and her rat. And I would just say, show me cat. Now I'm doing the presentation because this is what I want the families to do because often what the families do is there's this one and this one. Show me the cat. And they're looking at it. Okay. Oh, so okay. we've. Oh, yeah, okay. so we, trying to show them how the presentation works for that as well okay and then she'd touch it okay now they might give an applause they might do something but we could then talk about um well how do we give feedback do we tell her good can you get your thumb up okay Mm. or can you get two thumbs up you know let's tell her all right we might do question and answer how would she feel if she got it wrong Now, that was a beautiful one. That Mm. really got everyone going because when you're on Zoom, Mm. you can't see the hand signals that are going on down here. So even if I go treat and I bring it down here, they see the dog's head go down. So if you get your timing right, how do you think Charlotte would feel if she got it wrong? Oh, look, she's got her head down. (laughs) Maybe she is. Maybe she's sad, right? But it holds attention, which is the next thing we're going to talk about. And Zoom is hard work. Being in a face-to-face session can be hard work. You've got to continually come up with things to hold attention, to motivate um, and to get results ultimately. Yeah, of course. Um, And as one little boy said, well, you got that wrong, didn't you? Duh. (laughs) So we'll then talk about tell her in a nice polite little way (laughs) right so let's have a look at attention and eye contact okay so this slide again shows the um charlotte okay there she is in the middle and she was just helping me with articulation work Um, what we're learning there is that the V sound is not where you bring your lower lip under wrong movement. You're going to bring your jaw back and then your lip will go under naturally. It's a natural motor movement rather than a forced movement. Okay. So I'm saying that you've got to be like Shah and really watch carefully because it's not that it's just a little movement of my jaw to get that sound. And she always performed really well to the screen so when bonnie came along that eye contact i knew was going to be something that we really had to work on for on screen Mm. really have to look at me and look at people on screen so she will quite happily now watch David Attenborough program for an hour oh my God. and respond differently to all the animals.
2: Oh my God. And
1: I think Doghouse is probably the best program that's ever been invented. Oh my so goodness. she actually, I think, is going to know Monday night is Doghouse night.
0: That's oh, so I cute. love
1: that. <laughs> um, but the attention and the eye contact is also interesting when I'm working with people who don't make eye contact, who attend in different ways, yeah, and that they see no point in looking at someone, yeah, for communication, yeah. And this was brought home to me by the little boy who said when we'd explained about this is how you show that you're attending. Wow, you mean that I got all those detentions just because I didn't look at the teacher and she thought I wasn't listening? I was yeah yeah i've started to do some Mm. notation description there so when the kid shouts it's in bold when it's underlined it's syllable stress all right so that helps you as a reader see how the message was communicated right so
2: jane how did you how did you how did you teach the dogs to look at the screen
1: she has found. You should see her right now. She's asleep. Um, she, I don't know why she does this, Sam. But since I got her, if I sneeze, she comes running. <laughs> wow. So yeah, she, and it would happen now if, if not only if I sneeze, if I make a loud, <laughs> and yeah, you know, she'll come, and she'll come from inside the house and come up. So when she started to do that as a puppy, she'd come up. And she'd see that i was on screen and she'd express interest Mm -hmm. so then we did put david Attenborough on and dog programs because she was reacting to animals especially the brevetto border collie (laughs) (laughs) so i don't think i've actually done a lot there she seemed to do it and i reinforced it
2: yeah yeah i think that's the easiest way as well like there has
1: (laughs) never been any treats with bonnie to look at the screen. Yeah, okay. That is just me. She's looking at herself. She's a vain girl. You know, she'll sit on the bed and she'll look at herself in the wardrobe mirror. <laughs> so she, she just seems to be one of those. So I think you might be able to train that. I'm sure you would, but I think we've also got to observe the dog, see what it does naturally, and mm. develop it. Yeah.
2: Create opportunity Yeah. The the yeah. Mm.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Cool. Okay. I just know people will cool. be thinking, so, how do I teach my dog to do that? Yes. Well, if I if I if she wouldn't and I was going to be stuck on Zoom, then I guess I would get the treat and put it up there. But I, I don't really I didn't have to. Yeah, cool. Now what I had seen Charlotte do is settle down and just be there. All right. And in being there, I noticed that. People attended longer. And that's Mm. not me that's just noticing that. That's in the literature. Yeah, yeah. So it's non-judgmental. It's non-judgmental to disrupted speech, to disrupted behavior, and to poor reading skills. And what I have heard from one of my clients is that when her son was assessed for reading, let's say it's out of 30, he got 10 out of 30. When he was able to hug his little toy, he got 25 out of 30. Hmm. So that anxiety, hormone, chemical balance thing Hmm. is something that the therapy dog I'm sure can assist with so that the person is more in control of their learning and has a better chance of having a higher self-esteem yeah, that photograph was taken when I just turned around with my iPad. I was just in the clinic. Mm-hmm. And there was the little boy doing his animal yoga. And there was her looking at the page and being part of the engagement. No one put her there. So cool. she was just there. Yeah, it was so cool. cool. And I don't think we should um, underestimate the role of just being there when it comes to having a therapy dog in the clinic.
2: I talk a fair bit, Jane, as well, like probably on this on this topic too, of like the co-regulation stuff that's happening from the dogs as well. Like I really find um, that the, if the dog is regulated within the space. That is what helps regulate the space and therefore the child or the client that's in the space it's easier for them to regulate as well and I know it's like um a big mm. part of our job as a clinician as well to be able to hold the space uh in that way but i just find that the dogs just they're so steady with it like they really they're so predictable and reliable and um if you got the right dog which is why you know when we're training these dogs that's why we're we're aiming for a dog that has that disposition and they enjoy this kind of work so that they are regulated within the space. I Mm. find it's very
1: beneficial for Mm. the client. It's interesting too because when Bonnie is playing here with her best friend who's a nine-month-old Swiss Shepherd, when I'm here I can guarantee that they're going to be black, they're going to be covered in mud.
2: Oh yeah. But for
1: the first mm. time, we left them um, alone with my husband who just potters around slowly. When we came home, we had two clean dogs <laughs> and he said they had just potted around. They're well, just sniffing yeah. around and I, <laughs> mm. wow, okay, I better <laughs> slow down because <laughs> they're picking up that energy.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I guess my f- um four work ethics are my four C's, which is on the next slide. And that's to try and be calm, very, very hard in a busy clinic. Mm. To always have an element of cheerfulness, companionship, and care for everyone in the um, the pattern of your work, absolutely whether it's a duo a trio or a group yeah absolutely because there are huge implications for a speech therapist if you get this right Mm. you're not going to get better results for things like language development but you're also going to get better results for self-esteem and motivation and you'll see better results over time if you can do this with people having fun and enjoying coming to the session yeah so they're motivated it's not a negative encounter that focuses on their disability it Mm. focuses on what they can do Mm. big difference and if they're relaxed and if they're regulated then they're going to find the words more easily to express themselves because communication speech signing pointing it's movement driven Mm -hmm. and if we upset that Arousal level or um, energy level, whatever you want to call it. We all know that sometimes when we're angry, when we're upset, we can't move as well as we would if we were relaxed. We can't sign as well, speak as well, produce voice as well, move as well. Okay. So just think about yourself on a dance floor. Okay. If all of a sudden you've got. something that upsets you you're not going to be very much in rhythm or beat or sequence okay yeah right so ultimately it's about enjoyment to reduce anxiety and make things happen
2: some of these kids too like um you know you mentioned before like you see kids as well with challenging behaviors and stuff um or clients i i find sometimes my kids uh, particularly when I was, you know, a bit more early career, they would dysregulate me with their, you know, wound up mm. engine cyclone kids coming through your room, and they're just so off the chain. And it is, it's like it's mm. constant. You feel like you're following them around, and they're like just destroying everything you own. And you're trying to teach them something, and it's so hard to like, you know, get their engagement and attention and concentration for longer than like three seconds for some of these kids. When you're working, like I really found having such steady dogs. So like my Labradors are best for this. My border collie, Oliver's not as good. He would be like, no, thank you to the energy, but my labs, I just found I was able to just rely on them so much to take the wheel, Sonny. And let and have a break and collect myself and go, okay. Like, and they would just play, or, you know, instead of me following this kid around, it's Sunny following them around, or, you know, things like that, and have a chance to collect myself and go, okay, take a breath, regulate yourself first. Then we can move on, come up with a bit of a plan and move on. And once, once I found that mm-hmm. I was able to just flip and relax. I found that the kid slows down. So without the dog there to Mm -hmm. buffer me, I would have found that really hard because of the way that my energy Mm -hmm. is as well. I just like, can't thank the dogs enough (laughs) for the, that buffering that like that word that you used before that buffering that they have done in order to help me get the space calm so that we can get exactly what you're talking about that cheerfulness of in the session like it is so stressful sometimes being a therapist particularly working with these these demographics we just want to like the more that we can enjoy this time and have fun learning and things like that but it's hard for these kids that learning's hard they're frustrated they don't want to do it like they know that they can't do it as well as whoever else and you know, that kind of stuff. And like you're talking about that self-esteem stuff comes into it. It's a whole big thing. If I didn't have the dog to buffer me for a hot minute so I could flip and relax so that I could, you know, co-regulate the space and then have fun with these kids. I just think there's no way that we would have gotten the outcomes that we've been able to achieve and the companionship and the care as well. So thanks for sharing these four C's. That's really cool.
0: Fun is such a key word in that, too. Sorry, Sorry? I was just going to say fun is such a key word in that, too, with dogs in particular. They really know how to find that sweet spot.
1: (laughs) I guess I feel driven to say that I wish speech therapists would be more aware of getting this balance because I know that there are therapists out there and I was one of them who would think if you don't do this, tick, 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 then you haven't done your job. Relax. Play with the child. So then we have completely the other swing and then we get parents saying the last one only played with him. Yeah. There has to be the balance between, Hey, look, this is relaxing. It's fun. It's enjoyable. And as a result, you are learning this, 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 and this, or I can see you could do this, 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 and this. Mm, So it has to be seen by the public to be research-driven if necessary, but have consequences. Mm. It's not all about like the the petting zoo. I can't have people in my clinic for sessions with the therapy dog. And by the way, I'm going to bring the neighbor's kids because they really want to see her because she's so sweet. That's not going to happen. Yes. Okay? Yeah. yeah, really important. You have to work within this context to get the balance and feel that the therapy dog is part of your toolkit. Mm. It's evidence-based. It's research-driven. It just needs you to take that opportunity, take the training, and get some experience of seeing if the dog can complement what you're doing. Yep.
2: Yeah. That's such an important exactly. point. And yep. it goes back to what you're saying before, Jane, about don't underestimate them just being there. Like you don't have to force the dog to, you don't have to force mm-hmm. an animal assisted intervention. Don't stress, just do your job, just engage your client and just do your job like you normally would. And if the if something pops up and the dog becomes a more active part of the session, then that's fantastic but I see people trying to force it or they're really beating themselves up over the fact that like they just can't think of what to do with the dog. Just don't worry. Just don't Mm. stress. Mm. As long as your dog isn't detracting from you being able to do your job as a professional, don't stress because the impact of them just being there is the most important thing. But as you, um, relax and calm down into it and have fun with it. Those interventions will come that, you know, and you know, we've got PD options and things like this now where we can have these discussions and get ideas, but those things will come
1: as long as we all just like relax guys. Because if you can't relax, then you're not going to observe.
0: Correct. No. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You'll be too worried Mm. about how you're feeling.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Very cool, Jane. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jane, for spending this time with us today and talking us through just this even tiny amount of what you're doing with your dog. We are so happy to have you as one of our teams and I'm just excited by, you know, we must've just spent, I guess about 45 minutes or something having a chat. And I just learnt like heaps of stuff. So, <laughs> so I'm really happy about that. And I know that there's going to be, those other species out there that, um, you know, want to continue to further this field um, in the respectful way that you are. So um, can people reach out to you if they'd like some guidance? So you, can
1: you do supervision, is that
0: a thing? Absolutely.
1: They can go to the website which is uh www.optionsctc So options charlie com, And they'll get all the information they need there. But thank you very
0: much for having thank me. Thank you so much. This has been very enlightening. I feel like I've learnt so much. I'm gonna be Same. dreaming about it. I tonight. feel like I've learned heaps. <laughs>
2: I feel like I've learned so much. Thank and you. I love having these conversations with other professionals and you know, other animal assisted therapists and things like that, whether they're in your field or, you know, another field, it's so cool to see what people are doing. And it's so cool to um, apply the same principles across different disciplines. We're just generalizing our knowledge, uh, which is, you know, where we need to be moving forward as an industry to continue Mm. offering. I'm really passionate that we're, you know, offering a professional service and we're all working within the scope of our existing fields and of it you know offering these evidence-based um opportunities for people it's pretty exciting and to hear the things that you know you've been able to teach your dogs to do and it's pretty impressive so please do guys get in touch with jane even if you're not a speechy um but if you want to pick her brain a bit more get in touch with her and organize some consulting time um make the most of it thank you so much jane Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Thank you. so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're interested in studying with Therapy Dogs Australia or you have a few more questions before deciding, please get in touch with us by emailing courses at therapydog.com.au or visiting our website at www.therapydog.com.au for more information and FAQs.